The evil rises. The dark powers that ruled this earth before man return. Their shadow stretches out where they have not stood for thousands of years. And as in that dim time, mankind bows, cowers under its commands, builds temples to it, exactly the same as before. In Africa, it is furthest along, but it really is the same everywhere. The ancient terror, a world reaching for the stars, filled with computers, missiles, and it falls into ruins by the mystic forces from outside. My name is Conrad, alongside my co-host Drew, and welcome to the 38th episode of Stranger by the Dozen, the weekly podcast where we recap the adventures of Dr. Stephen Strange, Master of the Mystic Arts, six issues at a time. How's it going for you this week, Drew? It's, it's going pretty good. Oh yeah, man. Dr. Strange is going to get some ser- go through some serious changes this week. And it gets uh, it's gonna get pretty hairy by the end, uh, literally hairy next week. Ooh. But we'll get to that well, later. <laughs> All right. If you like the show, you can find it on iTunes, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, or in any fine podcast app. You can contact the podcast at strangerbythedozen at gmail on Twitter at strangerbythetwelve, on Facebook, or Instagram by searching for Stranger by the Dozen, or on our podcast network site at cradoline so, we'll remember that, um, you know, it's like fall 1987. Um, <laughs> we Doctor Strange's solo comic has ended, and now he's in a, um anthology comic. He's sharing uh, a, a, a monthly comic with uh, with Cloak and Dagger. I mean, there, there are worse characters to be sharing a comic with. I suppose, yeah. There's going to be some fun, st- you know, they're more... S- s- they're super street level, and we're going to see that next time where we start getting some more uh, superhero-y guest stars and stuff. But for, na- for now, things are very um, all over the place with Cloak and Dagger. So, you know, basic thing we're going to do, all the Doctor Strange stuff, we're going to talk about the Cloak and Dagger episodes real briefly. I'll mention also, you know, Doctor Strange, he destroyed all of his stuff, his mystic stuff that's been holding everybody back. And because of that, now bad things are happening all over the world. And to that end, Doctor Strange has been on a mystic quest to uh, Camertage, the ancient home of the Ancient One. Yeah, Ancient Home of the Ancient One, where um, right. he hopes to find some answers or at least get some aid in his um, quest to bring normality back. Mm. Meanwhile, Cloak and Dagger are sort of living in a church and, uh, you know, just doing Cloak and Dagger things, basically. Punching out drug dealers, kind of good on them yeah so let's get started with strange tales number six from september 1987 uh we'll start the cloak and dagger story zapper bill mantlow writer (laughs) brent blevins and bob wyacek artists ken bruzenak letterer glennis oliver colorist carl potts editor jim shooter editor-in-chief so okay real fast there's this uh punk girl and she's got a boyfriend who has stolen a head a helmet backpack goggle combination that basically gives him cyclops powers like cyclops oh. the x-men so eye beams essentially all right yeah uh, cloak and dagger step in to stop him from an armored car heist but um when they do then the punk the punk lady is like no don't eat my boyfriend or something uh cloaks cloak eats the boyfriend despite the, her protestations but the boyfriend manages to escape and then ditches the gear and swears to abandon crime good times 
All right. Yeah, let's go to the meat of it with returning Peter B. Gillis script, Terry Schumacher, pencils, Randy Emberlin inks, Ken Lopez letters, Bob Sharon colors, Carl Potts editor, Jim Shooter editor-in-chief. Okay. So, Doctor Strange and Rintra, who is, we'll recall, uh, the apprentice of the extra-dimensional tailor that fixed Doctor Strange's cloak of levitation when he broke it. Right. Um, and who is a kind of a big, hairy um, minotaur guy. Right. So, the two of them are making their way to the Temple of the Ancient One. And, Doct- and as they do, Doctor Strange reflects on the blood pact he made last episode to call, basically, if he needs to, to call in the dead members of the Defenders to aid him in battle. And he's sort of like, oh, like, I don't know if that was the right choice to make, but it was the only one I could. They arrive at the temple and they find a lady camping out inside of it, listening to Sting, you know, the police in general. Yeah, man, that's, that's what you do, you know? Definitely. She introduces herself as Krista Ludlow from Colorado. She's been traveling through the East trying to find herself and got caught in a blizzard in Camertage. So everybody eats dinner over the campfire and then goes exploring around the temple. Uh, both Rintra and Strange apparently know this is, instantly know this is a trap. Because, you know, it's pretty obviously a trap. <laughs> like who hangs who hangs out in a temple and listens to the police and a ba- an abandoned temple deep in um sort of non-internationally no, uh, recognized plebiscites of india in the in, in the himalayas you know um listen man when i hang out in places listen to the police it's not in abandoned temples in the himalayas that's fair so in strange's old room krista makes the change to Ehrlich khan uh, Ehrlich Khan is the guy who's been uh, behind all those cat monsters we've seen recently, like the ones that destroyed Doctor Strange's cloak and then have been sort of these big toothy bad guys, essentially. Yeah. Uh, Elric looks pretty cool. He's like a giant in a toga, and he's got, you know, big old arms and legs, but then each arm also has like three or four regular-sized arms, like coming off of his shoulders all around it, you know? It's real weird looking. He's a big arm monster. Yeah. <laughs> So apparently the talismans and all the, you know, mystic junk that Doctor Strange destroyed was what was keeping Elric in check. But now he's on the loose. Oh, dang. Yeah. He's, he, he beats up Strange a bit until the Doc is forced to, uh, to call forth the dead defenders. And, like, he introduces them, like, like by name, though I don't think he's actually met any of them, but, but Valkyrie, like... For the record, though, it's a uh, manslaughter, interloper, and Andromeda. But, and, but it looks like it's time to fight. But wait! It turns out all this was a trick. Strange has raised the dead to fight on his behalf, which is a big no-no and another step towards Strange becoming a dark magician. Oh no! Yeah, Elric disappears, leaving behind the dead body of the real Krista Ludlow, who's been dead for several days. That's a real trick move. Yeah, Just man. Throw that out there. This guy Elric is not a cool dude. No. And it's super messed up. Of course, Doctor Strange, increasingly not a n- not a cool dude. Um, as we cool. see in Strange Tales number seven from October nineteen eighty seven. So this one is basically a two-parter, in, or there are two connected stories. One goes right into, into, into the next. 
So it starts with a doorway to nightmare with uh, Peter B. Gillis, but incorrectly credited to Bill Mantlo as writer, uh, Larry Alexander as artist, Gary Talalock as inker, Ken Brusenak as letterer, Paul Becton as colorist, Carl Potts editor, Jim Shooter editor-in-chief. So, uh, you know, Cloak and Dagger, they're moping around their uh, abandoned church home. They seem and, to do that a whole lot of that. Yeah, and Cloak is really feeling his, uh, his promise to Nightmare to find Doctor Strange. Like he didn't know it was Nightmare at the time. He just thought it was some random dude locked deep inside the folds of the shadow dimension inside his cloak. Mm-hmm. Um, but and so, but he still feels like I got to find Doctor Strange and tell him about this guy who's asking for him inside my sh- shadow dimension. And it's here that we learn that apparently that spell that Doctor Strange cast in Strange Tales number three, that mind-wiped Wong and Sarah Wolf into thinking they were just sort of employees at like a spa, at the Stephen Strange Memorial Day Spa, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, has in fact affected the entire world. Oh, dang. And everyone on Earth now thinks that Doctor Strange was killed by the Beyonder during Secret Wars 2. So that was in fact a global brainwash that he used. Steven, buddy, these things never end well. That's what he does. Uh, Even so, Cloak and Dagger suit up and head out to find uh, Doctor Strange. They travel through shadows to Camertage, where the reborn defenders are partying down. Apparently, the spell that Doctor Strange cast to bring them back lasts for like a day and a night, so they're taking the opportunity to drink some beers and hang out in idyllic uh, temple settings, essentially. Yeah, man. Hang out. Have a good time. Yeah. Um, you know, Stra- Dr. Strange shows up, and Cloak asks him for his help, and Dr. Strange sort of, he's like, all right, I'll f- try to find this dude lost inside your cloak. He fires a beam into the shadow dimension, and suddenly, the giant hand of Nightmare reaches out of Cloak's body and grabs Dr. Strange. Oh, no. It's pretty cool, actually, because like, Cloak's this big bellowing dude, and there's just a big hand coming out of him and grabbing Dr. Strange pretty awesome yeah everyone tries to fight the hand but to no avail and it eventually pulls dr strange into the darkness and through the dimension and uh into the shit into into cloak's cloak and through the dimension of darkness all the defenders come along as well as cloak and dagger but not rintra i guess cloak was pulled inside his own cloak sort of like that box that contains the universe and futurama or something i don't know oh well, um, yeah they they each pull out their own individual boxes, and they have their the box containing their own universe. It seems, yeah, or that's something. D- definitely seems realistic. Um, Makes sense. Yeah, they land in your standard sort of Steve Steve Ditko style weird stuff flying around reality. <laughs> and, oh boy, is there some weird stuff flying around in this reality? <laughs> and on a floating island, they are confronted by the giant body of Nightmare. What a jerk! Yeah, which leads to the second story: more light. With a Peter B. Gillis writer, Terry Schumacher, Shoemaker Penciler, Randy Emberland Inker, Janice Chang Letterer, Bob Sharon Colorist, Carl Potts Editor, Jim Shooter Editor-in-Chief. So, okay, uh, we're trapped in Nightmare World with a giant nightmare holding Doc in one hand. And then after explaining that all of his tricks were to try to lure Doctor Strange into his dimension, he starts to squeeze Strange to death. And Doctor Strange explodes! 
Um, he explodes into weird purple streamers, which envelop Nightmare, shrink him down to human size, and then reform as Doctor Strange, who again sort of laments that he has had to embrace more dark magic, defiling his own body to save himself. Oh no! Yeah, though of equal size, Nightmare still has like the advantage. He grows his fingers like a tree and starts to strangle Strange. Or, or, or sorry, he causes Doctor Strange to uh, grow a bunch of screaming mouths all over his body. Uh, the defender, the defenders try to fight Nightmare as the darkness and cloaks body start us uh, tries to envelop him forever. Meanwhile, because they're sort of in this dimension of darkness, Dagger's light is also dying and she's sort of losing power very quickly. Things look bad, but Doctor Strange has a plan! And you know what that plan is, Drew? It's a pretty smart one. What what is it? He immediately kills Cloak. Um. Uh, This causes Valkyrie to uh, return to her job as chooser of the slain and opener of the uh, gateways to the afterlife. She opens a portal both for the defenders to return to and to take Cloak to, uh, you know, Valhalla or something. But at the last minute, Dagger's like, no, I won't allow this to happen. The uh, the literal light from heaven uh, powers her up and refills her battery, making her powerful enough to strike against Nightmare, who then banishes both Doctor Strange and Cloak and Dagger back to reality. And it turns out that was the plan all along. Wait, what? <laughs> that he was good. He, he knew that Dagger wouldn't just sit idly by while Cloak went to heaven and that instead she'd get powered up from the light of from the heavenly light and then be strong enough to be able to take down Nightmare oh okay yeah man it's a jerk move he's a dark magician it's evil Doctor Strange man Uh, yeah he's getting more and more evil by the minute he's really he's really not shirking on his um evil activities I think that's definitely true (laughs) so yeah that was a plan all along. Nightmare's defeated once again. Hooray? Question mark? Yay? I guess. <laughs> so let's go to Strange Tales 8 from November 1987. Uh, the Cloak and Dagger story is called The Black Teardrop. The, the writer's Terry Austin, Brett Blevins' is penciler, Bob Wyacek inker, Kevin Brusenak letterer, Glynis Oliver, colorist, Carl Potts editor, Jim Shooter editor-in-chief. So Okay. Uh, Cloak is feeling needy and unloved despite Dagger's best efforts. He uh, eventually ends up accepting an evil black cube from an evil pawn shop owner. And then when he's feeling especially jealous of Cloak of a Dagger doing so well and him being so uh, sorry for himself, a little drip comes off the cube and he swallows it instantly becoming da- uh, instantly becoming Cloak again. This pisses Dagger. This pisses Dagger off, and she slaps him, and then walks off in a huff, leaving him. I gotta say, like it's interesting in the uh, in the letters in like the strange mails, the letter section for for strange tales. Yeah, they like a lot of people actually really like this aspect of the cloak and dagger story, like dagger not or cloak not feeling like he's worthy of dagger and being really like had not, not having a lot of confidence about it and stuff okay but i find it to be very tiresome of just yeah, just it like it seems like they do this a, a lot yeah it's it keeps coming up and it's like how many times do you need this lady to tell you that she'll love you forever before you just kind of believe her you know come on dude just like 
Yeah, like, you know. Uh, man. Have confidence in yourself, buddy. Yeah. But anyhow, let's um, continue the Doctor Strange story where if you meet Buddha on the road, kill him. I love this title. It's good. Peter McGillis, writer, uh, Terry Shoemaker, penciler, Randy Emberland, inker, Pat Brusow, letterer, Bob Sharon, colorist, Carl Potts, editor, Tom DeFalco, editor-in-chief. So, uh, Dr. Strange, he reflects on the rising evil in the world thanks to his actions and further freaks himself out by reading his o- his old student evaluations from the ancient one who was oh, worried no. yeah he was it's this is not a good plan the ancient one was apparently worried that doctor strange lacked imagination as opposed to like mordo who was evil but at least had some original thoughts now and then i mean and, he was evil but yeah you know he had some originality about him at least he innovated and that's <laughs> and that strange may may have been the ancient one's greatest failure because of it Strange freaks out. He shouts like, I am not a black magician. And is confronted by a shadowy stranger. It's Kalu. <laughs> Kalu is the uh, former friend of the Ancient One. And he was freed and then trapped from within the Book of Vishanti way back in Strange Tales 147 to 150. Back in like 1966 on episode four of this podcast. Oh, dang. That's a long time ago. It's a long time. This guy has not been seen for 21 years. Oh, wow. Maybe, yeah. Um, It's crazy. Uh, With the book, you know, with the book of of Ashanti destroyed, Kalu is now free. And he basically pulls like, like a Darth Vader on Doctor Strange, you know. He explains that the Ancient One has twisted both his actions and intentions and then kind of pulls some theodicy out. Like, oh, if the Ancient One was so good, why didn't he stop the Holocaust, huh? Come on, think about it. That's that's like some serious like time traveler's paradox stuff right there, man. It's to an extent, and he also kind of said like, "Hey, like, yeah, no, I was a, I definitely was an a, a aggressive warmonger, but like, it was 1200 A.D. in China, um, or in the Himalayas. Like, you needed to be an aggressive conqueror, or else you would be aggressively conquered. There, you, you couldn't just <sighs> hang out and be on your own. You know what I mean? Listen, listen, man." There's there's only so much explaining away that you can do. It's like ah, uh, I like, buy you know, it. I think Kalu's super reasonable. <laughs> hey man, I only jumped off that bridge just because everyone else is doing it. Maybe it's because of his awesome eyebrows, but I really love Kalu. <laughs> <laughs> um, I should mention, and he had this characterization when he was showed up in the sixties. Although it was a little weirder, just because like it was Ditko drawing it and stuff. But um. <laughs> Kalu's got this weird look where he's got kind of a mohawk widow's peak and then um hair like coming up like coming up like wings off like off off above his ears but otherwise he's completely bald and he's got eyebrows that are like antenna almost (laughs) the way they come off his head and the most rockin' Fu Manchu I have seen he's got the triple Fu Manchu because he's got the mustache parts and the beard parts that's so good. And he wears a sweet uh like kimono robe combo. He and uh oh and uh and uh green boots with toes that curl up. He's so cool. <laughs> this is like like evil dude garb right here. I mean, come on. He's super evil. He doesn't he's, he's exuding it just all over the place. He doesn't try to um 
he doesn't try to like gainsay either. He basically says, like, look, Doctor Strange, I'm a changed man in as much as I want to save the Earth instead of allow it to be destroyed. And you're going to need help figuring out this dark magic stuff because that's all you got left. I'll help you if you'll agree to be my disciple and learn how to use the dark arts to drive evil from the Earth. Which is pretty good, honestly. That's that's a that's a pretty solid deal there. Yeah, Strange doesn't agree to be a, to become a disciple, but he does agree to fight by Kalu's side, and they head out. The war awaits. So let's go to uh, Strange Tales nine from December nineteen eighty seven. The luminous. Oh, I should mention also um, in the Doctor Strange story, but strangely not the um. The Cloak and Dagger story, the editor-in-chief is changed to Tom DeFalco huh, from Jim Shooter. But it's this is right around when it happens, this sort of fall of 1987, that Marvel changes from Jim Shooter to Tom DeFalco. DeFalco I, will... Oh, good. I, I My guess is that they probably changed uh, edit, editor-in-chiefs in between well, while the issue is being created. That seems pretty... Likely. Yeah, that seems pretty likely, I think. But, um, yeah, so Tom DeFalco took over from Jim Shooter in 87. He'll continue on for uh, to a 94 or so, I believe. He's uh, one of the longer-tenured editors-in-chief at Marvel. After this, they'll stop having editor-in-chiefs for all of Marvel Comics and start having editor-in-chiefs for specific lines. Like, there'll be, like, a, a Spider-Man editor-in-chief and, like, a existing titles editor-in-chief and stuff like that um you know defalco's pretty famous for he's the guy that sort of helped marvel make all of its money in the 90s and then ditched out before the crash occurred you know Ooh, right (laughs) um you know coming soon uh marvel comics with tons of crazy covers we haven't gotten there yet um But, yeah, so let's go, uh, yeah, Strange Tales, 9, December 1987, The Luminous Lady. Terry Austin writer, Brett Blevins breakdowns, Bob Wyatchek finishes, Ken Brusnack letterer, Glynis Oliver colorist, Carl Potts editor, Tom DeFalco editor-in-chief. So, okay, so Cloak is all alone now, and uh, no one's feeding him any light, and so instead he has to drain it from people. Which is not super cool, but, you know, he justifies it by saying that he mostly is looking to drain and murder, like, criminals. Uh, so it's a fairly conscious-free, or, or, you know, yeah, uh, you know, more morality-free um, life draining. The problem is that suddenly everybody in New York City is suddenly a, a, a good Samaritan and a nice person. <laughs> Like, he follows a bunch of kids, like, he follows a pair of kids to a secret place and thinks that they're going to be doing a drug deal, but instead they've got these puppies that they're raising. And, like, there's, like, a, a guy who walks out, who, who who goes out of a store, and the shopkeeper chases after him, and he cloaks, like, oh, it's a thief, but no, it's a guy who, who forgot his wallet, and the shopkeeper's returning it to him and stuff. <laughs> but basically, yeah, it's it's rough times for him. Eventually, Cloak bumps into the X-Man Dazzler, who is sitting on a rooftop, sort of doing a light show and singing along to the radio, essentially. He tries to get her to um, zap, her, to feed him with her light powers, but even though she like spends a couple hours doing it and completely exhausts herself, it's not enough to feed Cloak so he's, so he's not starving to death. 
Meanwhile, uh, Dagger is wondering, is wandering around trying to figure out what to do. She needs to like talk to a rational adult, someone who really has their life together. I know, Spider Man. Um, <laughs> no, the worst choice. <laughs> no. Cloak returns to the church where they live, where and he sees what he thinks is Dagger, but nope, it's their opposite villain duo, Night and Day. But night, this time Knight is a lady who wears a fishnet body stocking, and Day is a dude who dresses like uh, like Fred from Scooby-Doo, I guess? Um, yeah, he's, he's totally rocking that neckerchief thing. He's got the red neckerchief, for sure. Anyhow, they... You know, instead of like the normal jockish wear of Fred, he's wearing like this kind of full body white skin suit. That's true. It's sort of a superhero version of Fred. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyhow, they take down Cloak. They toss him on the altar to be eaten, I guess, by this giant hunchback albino who shows up who's named Mr. Jip. Sure. That's okay. a J I J I P, by the way. I don't know. What a- what a jib. I'm not comfortable with this name. Uh, <laughs> we go to Dr. Strange story. It's called African Genesis. Peter B. Gillis script. Terry Schumach, Shoemaker pencils. Randy Emberlin ink. Bill Oatley, Oakley letters. Bob Sharon colors. Carl Potts editor. Tom DeFalco editor-in-chief. So, okay. People are starving in Africa, and it was a problem in the 80s. It remains a problem to this day. Yes. A mother with a dying child, you know, feeding him the last remains of their like seed of their uh, of their uh, seed grain. Eventually, decides to leave their village to find food. Doctor Strange and Kalu arrive in Africa via lightning bolt, which is the way that dark magicians travel. Which is so awesome. It's pretty awesome. They find so- a a huge temple to the ancient god. Gazash near that's that's the be- that's my best pronunciation I don't know I don't know um <laughs> anyhow he's one of the old ones and he's giving out food in exchange for human sacrifices mm. neither of the wizards are strong enough to take down Gazach near on their own but Kalu has a plan he p- plans to or he says that they should make one of the people going into the temple a living magical bomb and then explode them from inside the temple. So basically, just without, without, without consent, turn someone into a magical suicide bomber and then send them into the temple and explode them. That seems not cool. It seems super not cool. Dr. Strange refuses. But after trying desperately to get people like in the crowd to volunteer to destroy the temple and suicide bomb it, basically, he eventually ends up enchanting the starving boy from the beginning of, of this episode as he's being carried into the temple. And I should mention that the temple's sort of a big stepped pyramid thing with a giant kind of scorpion bug on the top. Strange, the uh, the boy with Strange sort of riding piggyback through his perceptions is carried inside the walls of the temple, which are made of meat or like connective tissue kind of stuff inside the temple. It's kind of gross. Yeah, and then he's taken to the giant incarnated spider-like body of Gazachnir. Also kind of gross. Yeah. At this point, Doctor Strange drops the spell and the whole temple explodes, killing everyone inside. 
that seems super evil. From the wreckage, a giant cloud uh, rumbles out. It knows both Doctor Strange and Kalu by name and challenges them to enter his temple. And now the battle truly begins. But yeah, man. That seems super evil, by the way. Um, this is like super, like, I don't know how you come back from it evil. Like he basically killed a kid to kill a whole bunch of other people, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's like, really, really evil. Like, I it's, don't know. Yeah. It's basically, like, do, this is Doctor Strange turning a corner and becoming a full dark magician, essentially. Oh, dang. So, like, I, I feel like now the important thing is to see how far he, you know. I mean, I get, honestly, in the order we're going to see things happen, this feels like it should have happened later in the comics. <laughs> right. Just because it's such a big deal. Um but it's, you know, at this point, Doctor Strange is just breaking all the rules, doing everything that he can do. And we just have to sort of watch and see what happens, essentially. But, like, this is definitely, he's crossed a line, and it's not clear if there's any coming back from it. And so we continue on to Strange Tales 10 from January 1988. The felonious feline. <laughs> uh, Terry Austin writer. Uh, Oh, sorry. It's all it's all last names for this one because we, we're starting to get fun entries for um, the credits. So it's Austin Ryder, <laughs> Blevins Penciler, Wyacek Inker, Bruzenak Letterer, Oliver Colorist, Potts Editor, Tom DeFalco Editor, De Chief. Hey, hey, Conrad. Yo, I know there's something a little off about this uh, cloak and dagger story. Is it that it's just about uh, dagger? Yeah. Is it that's essentially an after school special as Black Cat as a dagger goes to the beauty parlor and meets and meets uh spe- and meets everyone's favorite superhero thief Black Cat? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good, man. So uh, Black Cat gets dagger a, a haircut, which is a crazy 80s power mullet, I'd say. <laughs> like her hair ends up kind of coming up in this weird triangle with like a ponytail coming out and bangs in the front basically. They travel the city, buy a bunch of stuff with Dagger's credit cards, and then they go to a nightclub where they attract and then ditch a pair of dudes. Uh, Dagger returns to the church to find the bad guys from last issue there, where that weirdo Mr. Jip is sucking the life out of Cloak with its creepy hands inside Cloak's face. Oh, dude is super creepy. Oh, yeah. I, I, I guess you're right. The other thing that's different is, yeah, that this hap- Strange Tales 10 happens at the same time as Strange Tales 9. Oh. For, for, for cloak and dagger purposes. Okay. But I just like that, like, um, it's, uh, it's, such a- it's so after school, especially where Black Cat is this, um, like, fast girl who um, tries to steal things, but daggers like no i'll just use my credit cards and buy them and then later black cat's like oh here like have a cigarette you should smoke and daggers like no way black cat smoking isn't cool that's a filthy habit and i don't think i should smoke and blah 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 it's pretty awesome Um, I'm a big Black Cat fan. I, th- I think I said last week she's my favorite uh, Spider-Man girlfriend. Uh, but this is like, this is a super 80s version of Black Cat. Super oh, yeah. 80s. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Just all the 80s hair is so, um, it's so distracting, you know? <laughs> <laughs> just because I look at it and I'm like, I got, I, 
like I'm spending time just figuring out how it works, you know, like what it's supposed to look like in real life and stuff like that. It's weird. <laughs> but enough lighthearted stuff. Yeah, man. Let's Let, get into it. Let's go to hierarchies. Peter B. Gillis, writer, Richard Chase, penciler, Randy Emberland, inker, Bill Oakley, letterer, Bob Sharon, colorist, Carl Potts, editor, Tom DeFalco, gazish, in chief. <laughs> so, okay. After unsuccessfully trying to save the remaining worshippers from debris and magical attacks, uh, Kalu, you know, Doctor Strange fails. Kalu manages to save most of them, but the cost of saving most of the survivors is that one survivor is instantly turned to ash. The uh, the two mystics now enter the remains of the temple. The interior is vast and complex, sort of TARDIS-like. Uh, Doctor Strange almost dies while casting a mystic bolt because it seems like while his purity and light once protected him from the use of such spells, now he lacks those protections. And it's basically just Kalu's magical shieldings that keep Strange from killing himself. Oh, jeez. The pair go deeper into the temple and they finally find Gazesh near and he looks just like Kalu. And Kalu is like... <laughs> What is this, amateur hour? Like, you think that by looking like me, you're going to tear us apart in, like, the most obvious oldest bad guy trick in the book? Like, come on, guy. We're professionals. And so, in response, uh, Nier takes a new form, the form of Clea, and Kalu remains unimpressed. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm really digging Kalu, and he's just like, yeah, yeah, I've been an evil wizard, too. You're doing basic basic stuff right here excuse me <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah man Let, let's let's knock it off of these parlor tr tricks already come on yeah so in response to that the demon summons mystic copies of a bunch of dr strange's recent foes uh or like Khan, nightmare etc and he says that all of them are different aspects of the forces of chaos in general that are here to destroy the earth in total so everybody starts fighting. Um, Gazishnir, as Clea does a ha, has a pretty solid opening move, uh, jamming its fist into Kalu's chest and grabbing onto his heart. Ooh. Kalu orders Strange to flee, and Strange says no. And for his trouble, Gazishnir fires a green beam into Doctor Strange's left eye, putting it out. Oh, jeez. Strange escapes from the temple, holding his empty eye socket to the echoing laughter of the demon. Outside the temple, the bug-like soul, the bug-like soul of Kalu that's been sort of tagging along with Strange, orders Strange to use his power now to level the temple, and it is done. After sort of the dust clears and Kalu is making a, an eye patch for Strange to wear, he explains that he that he only seemed to give chaos what it wanted, and thus was able to distract it enough for Strange to lower the boom. Doctor Strange still has to accept the path that he is now on, and the loss of his eye is part of that path. That's that's some heavy stuff there, man. Super heavy. Yeah. Doctor Strange now permanently changed. He's lost one left eye, and he's just eye patch Doctor Strange now. Very rakish. <laughs> very fury-ish could be yeah. 
So let's go to Strange Tales 11, our final comic of the week from February 1988. Mr. Jip, usurper of souls. Terry Austin, writer. Dan Lawless, penciler. Bob Wyatchek, inker. Ken Brusenek, letterer. Glennis Oliver, colorist. Carl Potts, editor. Tom DeFalco, editor. And Ed in chief. So, uh, the cloak and dagger section of this issue is 11 pages long, and eight of those pages are Mr. Jip giving exposition. (laughs) Oh, oh, geez. Probably the biggest revelation is that Jip studied as a disciple of the Ancient One, sort of after the Kalu stuff, but way before Mordo and Strange showed up. Oh. So this is back when the Ancient One was just the one, basically. (laughs) Oh, back when he was just Yao. No, no, no. He's older than the young ancient one. Oh, okay. um, like, he's, he's bald and stuff. And I believe Yao still has hair, as I recall. Yes, yes, Yao still has hair. So, this is, yeah, this is after that, too. So, it's just the one. Right. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about Yao and, well... Much we'll, later. We'll get to it. Um, yeah. So anyhow, Jip uh, is an ancient sorcerer. He stays alive by jumping from body to body. And Cloak is his choice of the next body. He's also got Day and Night, who are his henchmen. They shoot evil light energy and create shadow monsters, respectively. Anyhow, um, Dagger shows up and confronts him. You know, whatever. And there's a big fight. It sort of, It sort of starts... It sort of starts and ends when the Predator, which is one of the demons that lives inside Cloak's darkness dimension, emerges and attacks people and scares everybody off, essentially. Uh, Cloak and Dagger are reunited, and it feels so good. Um, Also, it seems like Cloak is effectively immortal in Cloak's state, and that uh, the evil pawnbroker that gave him that that Mystic Cube was, in fact, Mr. Jip in disguise. So, good times. Oh... Yeah. Also, my, my bigger question is, you, you get a weird black cube, mm-hmm. and suddenly a drop of something comes off of it. That's right. My, my first instinct would not be to eat it. That's why you are not a superhero, friend. Apparently. I just need to spend more time around toxic waste or something. I don't know. That's right. You got you, you to dream big, and you got to be like 15 years old. I, honestly, I think the uh, you're probably... At, at your age, Drew, you're probably just going to be a supervillain. That's all you. That that's all you can do demographically. Aw, bummer. Yeah, it's sad, man. Um, <laughs> the Doctor Strange <laughs> story for this issue is this Earth, this realm. Peter B. Gillis, this writer. Richard Case, this penciler. Randy Emberlin, this inker. L.P. Gregory, this letterer. Gregory Wright, this colorist. Carl Potts, this editor. Tom DeFalco, this editor's chief. <laughs> I love joke credits, man. I've loved them for 20 years in this podcast. Oh, uh, so good. <laughs> so, Rintra is meditating as Doctor Strange and uh, Kalu teleport in like a bunch of cool frat boys. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. They basically like, show up like, whatever, nerd. We just came here to get a scroll and then we're going to head out, all right? We got another kegger. No, Doctor Strange looks super dashing with his five o'clock shadow and eye patch, and he gets angry when Rintra doesn't get angry that at Doctor Strange's steady progress towards the dark arts. We also learn here that Strange's eye patch is made of magic fabric and that it's holding some of the evil magic from the fight with Gazakneer. Anyhow, 
They're just here for a second. They're grabbing one of the Ancient One's soul, uh, scrolls, and then they ride the lightning, leaving Rintra behind, over to England. Peace out, nerd. Get out of here, nerd. <laughs> Minotaur, ner- Minotaur nerd. <laughs> I don't know. They just kind of like walk in and they just sort of like breeze through. Like, we're just doing stuff. Don't mind us. <laughs> um... <laughs> They, la- um, they, they land at a Gastonbury Tor, uh, Tor, which is a terraced green hill, famous for druid stuff, which is good because Doctor Strange and Kalu have put on mystic robes to do some dang druid stuff. Awesome. Yeah, they call forth the spirits of the earth, the air, the small waters, and of living things to recruit them into their army to fight the approaching evil of chaos. Uh, at this point, like, L.P. Gregory has some interesting lettering style here. Like, all the O's in the words become increasingly large, which makes it kind of kind of a mystical effect almost. Mm. Like, you can kind of see them be offset. I don't know. I, I just kind of noticed it, and I thought it was kind of cool. Anyhow, we learned that these spirits weren't freed, unlike every other dang mystic spirit on Earth, <laughs> because the spells trapping them were put in place by Merlin, and that's not... Uh, bound to everything inside Doctor Strange's junk drawer. (laughs) (laughs) The spirits aren't that cooperative and sort of don't see why they should team up with Doctor Strange and stuff, but then everything's interrupted when Topaz shows up. She's gained a lot of power since we last saw her, and her eyes are now a non-evil blue instead of of red. She offers to help to, uh, to heal Doctor Strange, but there's just no time. Like, they need the magic trapped in his eye socket, and any attempt to heal his turn to darkness would take time, time they don't have, because the world is actively ending because of the attacks by chaos. Huh. Kalu drops a super solid burn here, being like, oh yeah, like maybe Topaz can just heal your hands and he can go back to being a surgeon too, jerk. Oh. That's oh. Kalu keeps bringing it, bringing that 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 up. Like, oh, why don't you just give up if you're so tough, buddy? And That's it's messed up. I love it. I love Kalu. Oh. He's like uh, he's like Rick from Rick and Morty, but like an evil um, sorcerer guy, <laughs> or I guess just a sorcerer guy, because that would sort of presuppose that Rick isn't actually evil on that show, and I'm pretty sure he is. Oh, dude, <laughs> Rick is super evil, but that's that's and, another podcast. Yeah. Anyhow. Uh, Strange realizes the situation he's in and turns his back on Topaz. With evil green energy flowing from his empty eye socket, Doctor Strange defeats and cows the Earth Spirits and binds them to his power. We are at your command, O Dread One, they say. The balance between light and dark has fully shifted and he is on the path of the Dark Wizard. Next episode, so, make thee mightier yet. So but, the 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 dread Doctor Strange, basically. Uh. Yeah, the uh, the the sinister the sinister Strange Doctor. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I don't have a good alliterative thing because it becomes three words. You know, the Superior Strange. I mean, it works for Spider Man. Ooh, could be. Uh. Duplicitous Doctor Strange. I don't know, but yeah, man. So that's the that's the ep- that's the comics for this for this episode what do you think oh, per- so what do you think drew what how's your what are your feelings on this uh on this move by dr strange uh i i think it's awesome and also concerning at the same time yeah i super love it um 
this like move by Doctor Strange towards evil and feeling like he's just he's so desperate to do things that it forces him down this dark path, you know? So much right. of like honestly, I'd say up until this point, like we haven't had a lot of sort of inherently evil magic, I'd say. Like Mordo and like Dormammu like are evil guys, but like the magic they wield isn't often isn't in, in, inherently evil. I'd say it's more yeah. like j- j- just a tool, you know. Whereas right. what Strange is doing with Kalu is stuff that is explicitly evil. Oh you yeah, know? totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it it seems like just going from uh, like past Doctor Strange issues and also future Doctor Strange issues. Doctor Strange is at his best when he's ha- when he has to improvise. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an it's definitely a fun change for the character so often especially in the early stuff and even like going forward like maybe dr strange is sort of at a disadvantage just because his opponents are more powerful but he has um he still has like a plan he still has like sort of things that he can do to kind of outsmart people or you know judo somebody or something like that yeah this situation where he's got to kind of start from scratch to like relearn magic almost or something and then have it, it, it no, go ahead. Oh, and then just j- 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 just have it eat into his morals and stuff is very is a very interesting take and a very interesting direction to go with the character, in my opinion. Well, just wait for uh, let's see another twenty years or thirty years actually. <laughs> uh, thirty years when uh, the doctor when Doctor Strange will have to improvise again. It's and true. Start, start over from scratch. Yeah. Again. Although hopefully it doesn't turn to evil or whatever. But no, I, no, no. I it's more about it's more about baseball bats covered in barbed wire. <laughs> yeah, I mean it just it does generally just remain really trippy how um I feel like we've come so far, you know, 37 episodes or whatever and we're still way closer to the start of Doctor Strange than to the end of Doctor Strange in this timeline, you know? <laughs> yeah. Or at least like 10 years closer, you know, right. whatever. Right, right, right. <laughs> Anyhow, getting pretty good. Uh, if you'd like to c- contact the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. You can send me an email at strangerbythedozen at gmail.com or interact with the show on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Stranger by the Dozen or on Twitter at Stranger by the Twelve, at Stranger by the One Two, and on our podcast network site at Cradeline.com. During the week, I'll post a bunch of images from the issues covered, and so keep an eye out for that. Stranger by the Dozen is on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, and any other podcatching app. Tune in next week as Doctor Strange continues his descent into evil, get yet, gets yet another new look, and confronts an old enemy. It's super duper awesome, if you don't mind trying to deal with the moral qualms and the level of redemption required to make up for the various actions he's taken. In general, though, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> also there's some cloak and dagger stuff uh whatever anyhow long hair don't care next episode of stranger by the dozen <laughs> <laughs> until then faithful listener i say and now living creatures you will submit to the power of dr strange your power may be as ancient as stone and sky sun and moon spring and winter but mine is something else entirely Bow down, bow down before your master, and now you will follow me, spill your blood at my command, fight as I bid you, kill as I bid you, 
and you will drive the darkness back. My name is Conrad, and for my co-host Drew, this is Stranger by the Dozen. May the Vishanti guide your path.